You're listening to Bloomberg Law. I'm Greg Storr in our 991 Washington studios with June Grasso in New York. The new Republican chairman of the Federal Communications Commission, Ajit Pai, has never liked net neutrality. That's the rule that bars Internet service providers from slowing or blocking traffic. This was him on Bloomberg TV two years ago, the day after the FCC approved the net neutrality rule along party lines. Do you want the, an unelected bureaucracy, three bureaucrats in particular, to make decisions about how the Internet functions? Or do you want to rely on the bipartisan, light-touch regulation we've had for the last 20 years that has allowed companies like Netflix to grow tremendously? I would much rather have a free market approach that's delivered proven consumer value as opposed to having a Washington bureaucracy make some of those decisions. At a news conference yesterday, Pai said the agency was moving towards giving relief to small Internet service providers, but otherwise he wouldn't commit when asked whether the agency would continue to enforce the net neutrality rule. With us to discuss what the future is for net neutrality now that Washington is controlled by Republicans is Enrique Armijo, a professor at Elon University Law School, and Daniel Lyons, a professor at Boston College Law School. Welcome to you both. Um, Enrique, let me uh, start with you. Can you just give us in a nutshell, tell us what net neutrality is, what it, what it does? Sure. Uh, net neutrality is generally the idea that all Internet traffic has to be treated equally um, by Internet service providers. Um, an ISP can't use whatever control it has over its network to discriminate against sites and services it deems inconvenient to its business. And in the particular context of the rules that the FCC passed, what that means is that uh, ISPs can't discriminate in blocking traffic and making certain traffic faster or slower or making certain traffic uh, not count uh, for purposes of their data caps, which uh, uh, that last one is an issue, as I'm sure we'll discuss, that the new, that the new chairman is very much interested in, in, in having an influence over. Daniel, do you see Pi as being more of a consensus leader than Wheeler was and perhaps waiting to try to reach some kind of compromise before he goes ahead and plunges into the quagmire of net neutrality? that since uh, Commissioner Pai has become Chairman Pai, most of his statements have focused on the need to build consensus uh, and, and overcome what was seen as uh, poisoned partisanship of the Wheeler administration. Uh, as Commissioner uh, Ajit Pai was a huge critic of the um, push for a series of 3-2 votes that broke down along party lines, um, and more importantly, the breakdown of communication between majority and minority commissioners. So it's been nice to see that uh, since he's taken the chairmanship, his focus has been upon uh, increasing communication between majority and minority uh, commissioners, and uh, importantly, the focus of his first meeting this week was on items that received unanimous consent. So I'd expect him to move forward first on uh, consensus-building endeavors before really tackling more controversial topics. En Enrique, the question yesterday to the chairman was whether he would uh, the FCC would continue to enforce net neutrality, and he, he didn't give a uh, much of an answer there. Can the FCC just say we're not going to enforce this rule even though it's still on the books? Well, sure. The, the FCC, uh, for better or for worse, has a lot of control over its own docket. Um, it, it can it can address the complaints that come to it and in, in, in the order and with the priority that the FCC um, deems it has. There's no um, 
there's no FCC net neutrality for issues that the FCC has to consider. It gets to decide what it gets to decide and how important those things are. Uh, but I do think the new chairman, you know, his long-term strategy will be to have um, to to if to do away with net neutrality. If he plans to do that, and all indications are that he does, he he should and will do that the same way that the net neutrality rules were adopted, which is uh, which is through a formal notice and comment rulemaking with public participation and 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 basically a finding that the net neutrality rules are 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 no longer in the public interest, and and that's a vote that will be supported by a, a Republican majority FCC commission FCC. Daniel, is this is net neutrality a rule that goes along party lines? The Republicans don't like it, and the Democrats like it. So historically, it was not. Um, when the the genesis of net neutrality was the um, FCC's policy statement on an open and connected public internet, uh, which passed unanimously back in 2005, which suggested that. Uh, consumers are entitled to access lawful content of their choice, to run applications and services of their choice, um, to connect their choice of legal devices to the network, um, and we're entitled to competition among network providers. So the, a policy statement is one that's not binding, but it sort of suggested this is where we thought, uh, that this is where the FCC thinks that Internet policy should go, and that had the support even of uh, the FCC under the uh, Bush administration. The difficulty is that uh, at some point, uh, the conversation became much more politicized, and at the same time, the focus shifted, I think, slightly from uh, consumers' rights to the rights of what we call edge providers, right? companies like Google or Netflix, uh, whose primary business model is providing Internet-based content and applications. And so the, the confluence of those two, I think the increasing visibility of it and the shift toward a much more um, conscious focus on the need of Internet-based companies uh, came together to make it a much more politicized decision. Enrique, if, if assuming the FCC does go down the path you were talking about, notice and comment rulemaking, what would that likely look like? Revoking the rule entirely, or would some parts of it stay in place? Well, I think the part of the rules that, that are most in danger are, are the ones that that, that, uh, that ban what's known as paid prioritization. I think the new chairman thinks, and really has always thought, that if a uh, that if an ISP goes uh, through the trouble and the enormous expense of building a network, it should be able to say that if there is a particular consumer who wants to their um, uh, now here consumer I mean company who uh, who wants to send traffic over more quickly or has a larger um, amount of traffic that they want to send, and the ISP should be able to charge uh, to, to charge that user of its network more, uh, and and that certainly. Um, it makes a certain economic sense. Um, it, you know, in in the world outside the internet, it costs more uh, to to mail a heavy package than a light package. So uh, I think that you know the, the claim that paid prioritization should not be unlawful under any uh, conception of net neutrality, I think, is one that that will certainly have a lot of a lot of appeal. Daniel, should the net neutrality rule, if it is going to be revoked, should it be revoked at the FCC level, or do you see Congress passing a law? I mean, so we've often thought that ultimately the answer to a lot of these questions about um, Internet regulation lies with Congress, mostly because uh, the FCC is regulating in a little bit of a statutory vacuum. The FCC's authority comes from the Communications Act, which was last updated in 1996, back in the days when um, those of us who did have uh, Internet access were largely uh, 
uh, accessing the Internet through dial-up, right? So um, much of the controversy over the net neutrality rules has been, in part, how the FCC justifies being able to regulate Internet providers at all. Uh, this is the origin of the famous uh, Title II reclassification, which I think is the one area that Commissioner uh, Chairman Pai has indicated he's, he's definitely uh, opposed to and would like to get rid of at some point soon, which is the subjection of uh, broadband networks to the uh, entire panoply of uh, regulations that were originally drafted for the old Bell telephone uh, system. So ultimately, I think the answer lies in Congress, but I don't see any uh, dramatic change coming anytime soon. So in the meantime, I think we'll see the FCC change this via uh, notice and comment. And Enrique, we only have about 30 seconds left, but there's also a court fight that at one point looked really big where uh, the net neutrality rule was being challenged. Does that have any ongoing relevance or can we forget about that? Well, it might. You know, an, an agency changing a rule is judicially reviewable. Um, you know, if, if the FCC does change the rules um, to a softer form of net neutrality from what it has now, I, I certainly expect there to be, um, you know, public interest groups and the advocacy groups that were so instrumental in getting the rules passed to challenge um, to challenge that change in in, in the in the regulate, regulatory system. But the problem is that the, an agency generally has a lot of leeway um, to decide what's in the public interest, and that includes its decision. We're going to have to leave it there, Enrique. Thank you so much to our guests, Enrique Aramijo of Elon University Law School and Daniel Lyons of Boston uh, College, uh, Boston College Law School. Coming up, yesterday was a bad day for Donald Trump's golf club in Jupiter, Florida. That's coming up on Bloomberg Law. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 